0: I don't know how many of you need to change course in your life. Maybe there's just something you're aware of that needs to change. I know I experienced in my own life over time. You know, there's all there's continually something coming up that you know God's challenging me with and saying, you know, Ron, this is something you need to give attention to. Is this aligning? Is this lining up with my will for you? And maybe that's where you are this morning. Uh, Last week I started a series called "Changing Course." And we looked at Moses last week and we asked the question, what caused Moses to change course? You know, To leave what he had in Egypt with Pharaoh and the palace and all the pleasures and all the comforts and all the privileges to go and do what God wanted him to do even though it was going to be very difficult. What caused him to do it? And we saw that the reason he left Pharaoh and Pharaoh's kingdom and embraced God by faith in what God was building is that he saw God and his kingdom is greater than Pharaoh's. And I would say, just like Moses, if, until you see that, you'll never leave Pharaoh behind and follow God. You just won't do it. And so we saw with Moses, he saw God as greater, and what God was doing in the world as greater than what Pharaoh, which led him to change course. And this morning, I want to look at another person in Scripture and ask the same question. What caused him to change course in his life? Just as Moses is one of the most well-known figures in the Old Testament, the person that we're going to look at this morning, Peter, is one of the most well-known people in the New Testament. And Peter was a man that was going through life just like me and you. He had a job, had a family, friends, had a business. He was going through life just like me and you. And what I want to do this morning as we look at Peter is I want to first of all give you a summary of his life before he met Jesus. And then I want to look at some initial encounters he had with Jesus, specifically two encounters he had with him. And then finally, I want to show you what caused Peter to change course in his life and follow Jesus. And as we walk through Peter's transformation, perhaps you'll be able to identify with him and consider if your life needs a change in course. So let's look at Peter's life before he met Jesus. This is what we know. First of all, His name wasn't Peter. His name was Simon. And Simon had a brother named Andrew. And Simon and Andrew were from Bethsaida and lived in Capernaum, which both were located on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. And Simon helped run a fishing business, which makes sense when you live on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. You run a fishing business, had a few partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and so he had this partnership, had his business going, he was a fisherman. Also, you may not know this, but Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, that Simon was married as well. Not sure when he got married and who his wife was, but we know he was married. So this is who Simon was, fisherman, most likely a rugged, headstrong fisherman, uh, supporting his family, running a business. Uh, doing a lot of hard work, obviously, as a fisherman. And he had this brother, Andrew. So now let's consider these two encounters that I want to show you that he had with Jesus. He was going about his everyday business, fishing, doing things fishermen do. And his brother, Andrew, comes up to him. He approaches him with some amazing news. You see, Andrew, as we read the the gospel accounts, we, we realize that Andrew, his brother was a disciple of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a unique fellow, uh, but what we know about him is that he was one who was given the task of preparing the way for Jesus. So he was preparing the way for the one God would send that would bring in the kingdom of God, that would save God's people from their sins. Okay, This is the promise in the Old Testament that the Jews were looking forward to in that day. And so Andrew followed John the Baptist, and Andrew, at least from what we read, he seemed to be very hungry for the Word of God. That's why he flocked to John the Baptist. He was absorbing everything John had to say about what God was doing in the world, and how God was going to send this Messiah, this Christ, this Deliverer, and what God was going to do through him. And so Andrew Andrew was hungry for God's Word, and so he soaked up John's teaching, And then in the Gospel of John, a different John, the Apostle John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 35, we're going to read about Simon's first encounter with Jesus. And so, if you want to turn there, it's on page 919 in the Pew Bible, which is right in front of you there in the back of the pew. Or if you have your own, you can can find it in your Scripture. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 35. And we're going to be in three three places in the Gospels to uh, observe what happened in Peter's life and how his life was changed. So John 1.35, it says, the next day, again, John, John the Baptist he's speaking of there, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. An disciple means a follower, a learner. So he's standing there with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother and said, his own brother Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, which Andrew's a great example, is he not? Andrew meets Jesus and then he seeks to bring others to meet Jesus, which is what Christians do. That's what we're, we're. commissioned to do. is what we do. And so Andrew's a great model of that. He, he meets Jesus. One of the first things he does, he goes and gets his brother, Simon, he introduces him to Jesus. And then it says in verse 42, now this is the first time that we know of that Peter meets Jesus. And look what Jesus does. Verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, can you imagine being Simon? You meet Jesus, and then Jesus tells you, "I'm going to change your name. <laughs> You're Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter." Can you imagine that? You know, today, let's you know, see. He comes up, he sees Adam over here. He says, "Adam, I'm just going to call you Rocky." You know, <laughs> this is what we're going to go with. And you just met this man. You're thinking. Okay, all right, uh, whatever, you know, that sounds okay. But you know, in that day, probably more so than even today, uh, names were very significant. And many people believe that Simon was named after Jacob's son, Simeon. And if you read about the life of Simeon, Simeon was impulsive and he tended toward violence. And we kind of see some of that in Peter's life, even after he meets Jesus, okay? So we see that kind of in his personality. But Jesus says you will not be called Simon, but rather you'll be called Peter, which means rock. And this is fascinating because Jesus sees who Peter will be, whereas Peter can only see what he is. But Jesus sees what he will be. And I think that's true of most of us, is it not? I know it's true of me at times that I, I get so focused on where I am now I lose sight of who God says I am in Christ in other words I'm so focused on how I see myself that I'm not thinking about how God sees me in Christ and what God is going to do in my life let's see Simon didn't see it but Jesus one of the first things he does says I'm going to change your name because this new name is going to represent who you will be And we'll see that develop throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts and even into some of Paul's writings. But what else is interesting here about this first encounter with Jesus that that Peter has? Peter receives a name change, but we don't see any life change. He still does what he's been doing. still fishing, kind of still going through life. So he has the name change, but he doesn't have the life change. And I wonder how many Christians are there in the world that claim to have the name change? They call themselves Christians, but there's no life change. You have the name change, you call yourself Christian, but there's no life change. Now, I think we look at Peter here, he has his name changed from Simon to Peter, but he still kind of goes about his everyday life life just the way he had been going about it. Nothing's really changed that we know of from reading the Gospels. However, what we see in Peter is that once you experience a true name change, you will experience a life change. And this is what we see in Luke chapter 5, and this is the second encounter Peter has with Jesus. Luke chapter 5, verses 1-11, through page 890 in in the pew Bible there. This is what we read in Luke 5, verse 1. He says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Him, speaking of Jesus here, to hear the Word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and He saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So here we see Peter changing course in a very dramatic way. And notice how Peter responds to this great catch of fish in verse 8. But when Peter saw saw it, the great catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now isn't that an interesting way to respond to a great catch of fish? You see, Peter saw something greater than the fish that day is what it was. He saw something beyond the fish He actually, for the first time, realized who Jesus was and is. And as a response, he recognized, I need to confess my sin. I am in the presence of the Lord. And then at Jesus' invitation, Luke tells us that they left everything and followed him. And notice they didn't leave just some things or a few things, but they left everything and followed him. So we have complete surrender. To Christ. So we see Peter going through a dramatic life change event here. That he leaves everything and he follows Jesus. Now what would cause you to leave everything and follow Jesus? Just think about that. What would cause you to leave everything and follow Jesus? Why do you think Peter left everything? What caused Peter to change course? Well, I think when you look at one more passage, and I think it shares with us why Peter left. Why did he give up everything to follow Jesus? It's in John chapter 6, page 924 in your pew Bible. John chapter 6, it's a long passage. I'm just going to summarize parts of it for you and then get to the reason why I think Peter left it all, to follow Jesus. Surrendered everything to Jesus and followed Him. I want to tell you why. John 6, Jesus returns to Capernaum, which is where Peter lived, and challenges those who have been following him. In verse 26, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you're following me because you ate a lot of bread I gave you, you know? That's why you're following me. So the people respond in verse 28. And then they say, what, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And then Jesus says in verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So this is the work of God. You need to believe in Him whom God has sent, namely Jesus. Then the people respond and say in verse 30, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so then Jesus goes into a long explanation to describe that He Himself is the bread of heaven that God has given. And then He says this in verse 53. Think about how you respond to this teaching. Verse 53, Jesus tells the people, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. <laughs> I could just see you know, one, of the, one of the men or women over there still eating a piece of bread perhaps. And then he says that line and his ears, their ears perk up and say, whoa, <laughs> what did he just say? And what you have here is Jesus is telling them in a very graphic way that it is only through His death that we will receive life. However, look at verse, look at verse 66. Look at verse 66. Look what John tells us. After Jesus has taught this, this is what happens. Many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. In other words, they said, Whoa, (laughs) a little too much. I like the free bread, but this is getting out of hand. And so they turned and they no longer walked with them. And then Jesus in verse 67, now listen to this. This is it. Jesus in verse 67 turns and looks at Peter and the other disciples, and this is the question he asks them Do you want to go away as well? Do you want to go away? listen to what Peter says. Verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where can we go? You have words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I believe this is what caused Peter to change course. This is what changed his life. When Peter put down his nets that day and caught all those fish, he saw something greater than the fish. He saw the Holy One of God. He saw a man who spoke the things of God and what he had to say were, were eternal. These things were eternal. In other words, Jesus was teaching His teaching was life-giving. It was eternal. And this is why when Jesus asked, do you want to go go away as well? Peter simply responded with a simple statement and said, where are we going to go? I mean, who else can we go to that has words of eternal life? There's nowhere else to go. There's no other person to go. Every other teacher in the world can maybe, they may claim to point you to a path to God, but only Jesus says that He is the path to God. And so Peter says, "Where else can we go?" You know, it's interesting. Uh, in the USA Today a few days ago, there's a, a Christian author. Uh, his name is Eric Metaxas. Maybe you've read a book, a few books by him. He's written some great books about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and William Wilberforce. Uh, just some great, great books. Anyway, he wrote this article in the USA Today uh, entitled "Bible Bans Target World's Scariest Book." And he's responding to some news about how some public libraries uh, have voiced some concerns over having the Bible in stock. And that some people want to ban the Bible. And so, this is what Metacus says in his article. He says, every single year, the Bible is the world's best-selling book. In fact, it's the number one best-selling book in history. But recently, it made another less coveted list. The American Library Association's Top 10 most challenged books of 2015. This means the Bible is among the most frequently requested to be removed from public libraries. Now, why would you want to remove the Bible? What's so scary about the Bible? Why are you? You know, why if you are caught with a Bible in North Korea that you'd be put to death? Why? What's the big deal? (laughs) Well, it's because the Bible claims to be the Word of God. It claims to have words of eternal life. Therefore, it forces you to either reject it or accept it and surrender to what God has to say. It's very dogmatic. It's a truth claim. It doesn't change with the seasons or the time. And so, some folks don't like that. And I think what we see in Peter's interaction with Jesus is that it was Peter's belief that Jesus had words of eternal life that led him to surrender his life to Jesus. Let me ask you this question. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, What caused you to surrender your life to someone you have never seen? Or maybe you're not a Christian. What would cause you to surrender your life to someone that you have not seen? I can just tell you from my own experience, I've never seen Jesus. Never seen Him. I have never heard an audible voice from God. And I have never had uh, an extreme emotional, spiritual experience. And yet, I have surrendered my life to Christ. Why? Why? It's real simple. The reason I am a Christian is I believe He has words of eternal life. That's it. I believe what the Bible says about Jesus and what Jesus claims and teaches is true. That's why I'm a Christian. Even though I've never seen Jesus, I've never heard the voice of God, I've not had some... Uh, ecstatic emotional experience I'm not saying those things can't happen I'm just saying that's not my experience but yet I'm a Christian why? because I believe Jesus has words of eternal life now remember faith is believing something will happen based on reliable information I have faith in Jesus because I think the Bible is reliable it is a scary book it's a very important book Very popular book. Because of what it tells us about God, who He is, who we are. It tells us about our need for forgiveness because of our own sin. It tells us about Jesus and how it's through Christ we can have forgiveness of our sin and enter a relationship with God by faith in Him. And so, if you read the Bible... And if Jesus is who He says He is, then you should consider changing course and following Him. And it's interesting, as you continue to read about the life of Peter, you see that his life continued to change. Surely he had that huge shift where he surrendered to Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. You see that happen. But you also see his life continue to change after that. As you read about the life of Peter, you see Peter makes some bad choices. But yet his life continues to interact with God's Word and he continues to surrender to God's Word and God continues to change him and make him into the rock. Because God was not done with Peter. He continued to work in Peter's life. And if you're a Christian, God will continue to work in your life as well. And perhaps you're in a place right now that has you deciding on you know, whether or not you, you should listen to God's Word and obey it. Maybe it's a you know, relational decision. It could be a financial decision or an ethical decision. Or maybe you're just in a hard place in a difficult situation and you want to know, is God with me? Whatever it may be, I want to remind you that Jesus has words of eternal life. And if you want to know God's will, then you need to know God's Word. If you want to know God's will, you need to know God's Word because the only way for you and me to change course in life and follow God is to know and obey what He says in His Word. That's how we know Him. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. This is a challenge to me as well. To go to the Scripture and let God use it to change your life. Let us pray. God we are thankful for your word and we know your word is true God we thank you that your word tells us about Jesus it tells us what he taught it tells us who he is it tells us how we can know you it tells us how we can walk with you it tells us how the world is it tells us how the world will be and Lord we believe it because we believe these are words of eternal life and I pray that each person in here will deal with this issue of truth and listen to your claim when you say that you are the way the truth and the life and no one comes to God except through you Lord help us to wrestle with that help us to come believe come to believe that And help us by faith to begin to walk in that truth and have our lives changed by Your Word. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.